There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Falling in love is the best feeling in the world. You see stars, you feel giddy, but sometimes that makes you do crazy things. And sometimes that means murder. Welcome to Crazy in Love, a production of KT Studios and iHeartRadio. Today's guests are true crime producers Jeff Shane, Chris Graves, and Tim Hamilton. Episode 12, the case of the cheater, the to-do list, and the human-sized bump in the road. Clara Suarez was born in a small city outside of Bogota, Colombia. At the age of five, her father passed away, but before his death, he instilled in her the importance of hard work and moving to the United States to find success. When he died, Clara's mother worked as a seamstress to support Clara. As she got older, Clara vowed to herself she would make her father proud and get to America. In order to make her dreams a reality, she knew she would have to work hard, and that's what she did. Clara put herself through school and became a dentist in Colombia before leaving for the U.S. in her mid-twenties. Once in the States, she cleaned homes, saving money to go to dental school. Clara knew she could skate by on her good looks. 
She looked more like a beauty queen than a hardworking student. In fact, she had been. She was crowned Miss Columbia Houston in a local contest after completing her residency at the University of Texas Houston Dental Branch. But Clara thought of her father and what he taught her. She would make it on her own. In the summer of 1991, she landed a job at a dentist's office, which is where she met 33-year-old David Harris. David was a successful orthodontist with a young daughter named Lindsay. David was not only brilliant, he had graduated second in his class, but he had a charming, wholesome vibe. The pair had an instant connection and it was truly love at first sight. Less than a year after meeting, the couple got married on Valentine's Day 1992 at the Nassau Bay Hilton, about 30 miles from Houston. Clara felt blessed. She even told people that with David, she had, quote, found the best, the one that God reserved only for her. With David's daughter, Lindsay, the couple settled into Houston, where they both ran successful practices. The money they made afforded them the finer things in life. Clara and David bought a palatial white brick home in a gated community named Friendswood. There was even a private airstrip. In September 1998, Clara gave birth to twin boys. According to friends, it was the bow on the perfect package. Clara was finally living the American dream she had spent so many years pursuing. Here's Chris. Clara and David, they just seem like they were the perfect family. I mean, they didn't want for anything. They've both got successful practices. David's an orthodontist and Clara's a dentist. It's a story that we hear often with immigrant. She had to come with education start over again here in the U.S., cleaned houses so she could get her way through school, and then finally became the dentist, meets David, they get married, right? David bought a Steinway piano for them. I mean, that sounds like they were living quite the life. Clara drove an S-Class 430 Mercedes-Benz, it's a pretty snazzy car at 70K. Clara once told David that all she really wanted was a really nice car, which is what the Benz represented. Money was not the only thing this family had. They really, truly had love. In fact, David had a rule at his office that if Clara was calling to put her through, no matter what, no questions asked, no matter which patient he was with. The couple was literally talking two to three times a day. They never even hung up without saying, I love you at the end. And it went both ways. Clara worked a full day, had full patients, but no matter how busy she was at work, she would come home, make the family dinner, a beautiful spread for her husband, his daughter, and their two kids together. And speaking of his daughter, his daughter's name, as we know, is Lindsay. And Clara became incredibly close with David's daughter, Lindsay. Lindsay was an incredibly talented violinist who had spent summers with her dad and a year with her mom in Ohio. Clara and Lindsay were more like friends than stepmother-daughter, which was really wonderful so that they could step in and it was instant family with instant love and instant connection instead of, you know, where a lot of times step-parents who come in are giving the cold shoulder, not really jiving with the kids. This was totally the opposite. They all got along and they were actually thriving as a new family. The term the American dream gets thrown around a lot, I think, but like this literally does really seem like the American dream. I mean, she came from another country, worked her way up and really got everything she wanted. And I like that she worked for it too. Like she didn't just work for the money, which she did, but also like the love, like it, it clearly requires dedication. Like she made the time to talk to her husband, made sure she said she loved him at the end of every phone call. So it didn't always come easy, but the hard work 
pays off. I think it's important to note that she got her green card into the United States legally. And a lot of times we see a story like this or we research a story like this and we find out a lot of times that it was to get the visa or to get into the country. This wasn't that. This was truly about love. And this was truly about hard work, achieving that American dream that her father instilled in her for so long as a little girl in Colombia. And she achieved it. She had everything in front of her. As perfect as things looked on the outside, they started to take a turn in the spring of 2002 when both Clara and David were 44. Friends began noticing cracks in the couple's once shiny veneer. David stopped taking Clara's calls at work and wouldn't show up to social events. Despite his behavior, Clara would make excuses for David. But really, who's playing golf at 10 o'clock p.m.? It also couldn't be ignored that David started a strict exercise regime. Clara had always told him that she loved him just the way he was. So who was he changing for? In July 2002, Clara confronted David. She asked him point blank if he still loved her. David didn't answer the question, but the next morning he sat Clara down and admitted that he had been having an affair. Clara told her husband that if he truly didn't love her, they could get a divorce. But David was adamant he wanted to make it work with his wife and that he would end the affair. Here's Tim. It was interesting because David had recently hired a new secretary. Her name was Gail Bridges, and she was 38 years old. And interestingly enough, from the photos I saw, Gail kind of looked like Clara a little bit. They kind of resembled each other. According to people in the office, Gail hung on every word David said. She would follow him around like a little puppy dog, always wanting to impress him and get his approval. And there was a little bit of a chemistry starting there. People would see those extra long looks or those glances and stares or the I'll pick this up for you. They were noticing that little bond growing. And she was happy to give him the attention. In late February 2002, David asked her if she would like to have lunch outside of the office. And by April, they were sleeping together in a, having a full-fledged affair. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Tim, let's go back to July of 2002 when Clara is confronting David about this affair. So after David proclaimed that he wanted to make it work, he and Clara went to drinks the following night. Ever the perfectionist, Clara asked David to compare her and his mistress, Gail. She wanted him to tell her the pros and cons of each woman so they could figure out what was working about their marriage and why he strayed in the first place. He told Clara her good qualities. She was professional and successful. But then he also told her her bad qualities and those included, she wouldn't listen to him enough. She didn't spend enough time on him. She worked too much. She loved her kids more than him. And the real kicker was, overall, he just said she was too fat and opinionated. When he got to Gail, he described her good qualities, which included her fake breasts. I, after hearing this, I wonder, Chris, like where could this couple possibly go from there? Yeah, this sounds like David's pretty checked out of their relationship. So in the bar, Jeff and Tim, I mean, this is crazy, right? So Clara's sitting there and David's giving her all of these notes about their relationship and how she can improve. And Clara's sitting there taking copious notes about everything that is wrong with herself. Like David's just really laying it in. And, you know, there's proof of this. There's several cocktail napkins from that night that she was writing all of these notes down from David. And most of it was things that were wrong with Clara. I can't even imagine what would have been going through her head as she's hearing the man that she loved and had spent so many years in a relationship with, in a marriage with, had had kids with, saying all these negative things to her about her. And then, you know, she turns to David and he gives her a to-do list 
to try and save this relationship. On the list were things like lose weight, get bigger breasts, look better, have more sex, and quit working. He's married this woman with a strong work ethic who's succeeded on her own with her own practice, and now he's asking her to move into the kitchen for me and get thin and get some fake boobs so that um, I can be attracted to you. That's pretty shallow. Let's not forget too, Clara is a beautiful woman herself. She won a beauty contest back in the day. And looking at photos of her with her children, she is still a very attractive woman. So the fact that he's even telling her this is awful. Remember, they got married on Valentine's Day in 1992. Now we're in 2002. So 10 years have passed. And now 10 years is a, is a, a real solid amount of time to grow together and kind of foster this marriage. And now all of a sudden you're being told you're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough, you're out of place, and I need you to lose weight. That must have hit poor Clara like a ton of bricks that she just didn't see coming. I'd actually say he was saying you're too smart. Like, I think David turned into some weird stereotype of what a, we think a man is in the 50s telling his wife to... Right, like he liked that she was successful before and then all of a sudden he decided he didn't actually want someone who was that way. He wanted someone who could be a stay-at-home wife and just dote on him. Yeah, and I think Gail came in and because she was the secretary and she hung on all his words and was willing to do everything for him, I think he fell under that spell to a certain extent of a woman doing everything for him. Interesting. I wonder if her success and her drive started intimidating him and almost demasculating him a little bit. You think you're settled, you think you're in a great spot, and then bam, you're nowhere where you thought you were. It just also is a testament to her commitment to this marriage, that she's willing to put up with this verbal abuse and that she's taking notes on it like a student, like, here's what I can do, here's my to-do list. It's unimaginable that she would ever go through with that list, but it seems like she tried to. The next day, Clara knew that if she wanted to save her marriage, she would have to take drastic measures. With David's note in hand, she began checking things off the list. She started by canceling a week's worth of patience. Clara then dyed her natural brunette hair bleach blonde. And next, she put a deposit down with a plastic surgeon for breast implants and liposuction. Although Clara Harris's American dream was feeling more like a nightmare, she wasn't going to give it up that easily. It seemed to work quickly, and David promised her that he would break things off with Gail that week at dinner. He even told Clara the time and place of their date to ensure it was happening. But Clara wanted to hedge her bets, so she hired a private investigator to trail David. If he was still lying to her, she needed to know. On the afternoon of July 24, 2002, Clara put on a silky blue blouse and cream-colored slacks. She brushed her hair and tied it in place with a small bow. She then took David's now 16-year-old daughter, Lindsay, out to shop. After all, to complete her new look, she would need a new wardrobe. On the way home, she decided to swing by the restaurant where David was supposed to be dumping his mistress, Gail. She just wanted to make sure he was there, but neither of their cars were in the lot. It was then that Clara decided to fill Lindsay in on her father's extramarital affair. Clara was suspicious and called the private investigator who told her that David was currently with his mistress. They were at a hotel. Which one? They wouldn't say. Somehow, Clara seemed to know. With Lindsay in the car, she headed over to the Nassau Bay Hilton. She knew the drive well. 
After all, it was the same hotel that she and David had gotten married in so many years ago. Sure enough, there in the parking lot were David and Gail's cars. Before entering the hotel, Clara keyed Gail's car and kicked out the taillights. With Lindsay in tow, the pair entered the hotel. Clara came up with a plan for how to get David to come down. Both she and Lindsay called David and told him that one of the twins was sick and begged him to come home. A few minutes later, the elevator's door opened and out walked David and Gail. A physical fight between the two women ensued. Here's Jeff. This fight was bad. And witness testimony is a little bit all over the place because it was so chaotic. But what we do know is that witnesses recounted Clara lunging at Gail and screaming, you bitch, he's my husband. At one point, she slapped Gail, grabbed her shirt, tearing it off. She also shouted, this is Dr. David Harris, and he's fucking this woman right here. At the same time, Lindsay began hitting her father with her purse, screaming repeatedly how much she hated him. Hotel employees did try to intervene, but Clara kept escalating the fight. And when they'd get her away and calm down, she would just go go 10 times harder. She, at one point, pulled off Gail's shirt, and Gail had to stand there covering her chest and trying to, you know, hold on to her shirt. She dropped her purse. All of her stuff goes everywhere. And we still have Clara punching her in the face. And it was something out of Jersey Shore. Finally, according to one witness, David put his hand on his wife's head and pushed her down to the floor to restrain her. With the women finally separated, David ran out of the hotel, probably mortified, upset, embarrassed. He left with Gail leaving his wife and daughter alone together inside the hotel until they all headed outside moments later. I understand that it was probably embarrassing for David, but to leave with the woman he's having the affair with after that giant fight, that's pretty ballsy of him. Clara also gave him an out. Remember, she said, if you want to break up with me, you can. But he told her he wanted to make it work as long as she was willing to do this list of things that he supposedly needed. And despite her willingness to do everything he asked, he continued to cheat on her. And that's not right. I don't think it's that unbelievable that he would leave the hotel without Clara because at this point she seemed completely unhinged. But to leave his 16-year-old daughter in the lobby by herself with her stepmother who just attacked him, to me is unforgivable. During this whole time, did Gail continue working for him? Because I would take issue with that if I was Clara. Once I know that there's uh, there's an affair going on and it's with your secretary, I would need to know that that person is no longer your secretary. That's a good point. I don't know the answer to that. I mean, remember, it's only two or three days at this point after their meeting in the hotel lobby with the to-do list. So it's a very quick window. David obviously should not be cheating on his wife. And he also then shouldn't lie to her further when he says he's going to break off the affair. But Clara also shouldn't be ambushing him in this hotel with his daughter in tow. I mean, it's completely inappropriate. It's completely messy. And it sounds like David was just trying to de-escalate the situation at this point. Like, there's no right way to handle when your wife and daughter come at you with your mistress. And so I think he did what he could do in that moment, which is just get the woman apart, get them away from each other, and get out of there. Let's stop here for another quick break. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. 
I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When David was in the lobby with Gail, Lindsay, and Clara, Lindsay was taking her little purse that she had on her, and she was smacking her dad over the head, too, because she was so disappointed in him. She was sticking up for Clara because she had that bond with Clara. She, she knows the difference between right and wrong, and she was really disappointed in her dad. So I can imagine that David must have just felt such embarrassment and shame at that moment, especially with his daughter being there, that he, he just wanted to de-escalate the situation and just get outside and, and kind of break it up. It's so manipulative though, of Clara to use a child as a pawn in all of this to get her worked up and angry at her father. Of course, she's going to be mad at her dad. You know, Clara's been essentially a, you know, a mother figure, a friend for a big portion of her life. And now she's hearing this traumatic news. A child should react that way. A grown woman should not. Outside, Clara's Mercedes was seen speeding around the lot much faster than anyone should be driving in the parking lot. Suddenly, the car approached David and Gail with no signs of slowing down. The car swiped Gail's car before mowing David down. He flew 25 feet across the lot. David's daughter, Lindsay, jumped out of the car and headed over to her father, but before she could get there, the car's engine revved and accelerated, running David over. Next, the car whipped around again, driving over David a second time. 
Then it did yet another 180 and ran David over a third time before finally coming to a stop. With police already close by, Clara got out of the car and approached her husband sobbing. As officials advanced on her with handcuffs, Clara cradled David in her arms and begged him to breathe. I'm so sorry, she was heard saying over and over. David, I'm so sorry. I love you. Here's Jeff. During the trial, a witness described the crime in all its gory detail. He said he heard screams and screeching tires as Clara circled the lot, running David over three separate times. He then saw David flying in the air, and it looked like he had been mauled by the end of it. He also compared Lindsay's reaction to that of an animal crying out in pain. Such a disturbing description of a crime scene. Witnesses said that David looked like he'd been skinned alive. How gruesome is that? His ears were torn off and he was missing hair. His teeth fell out. Yeah, and following this insane scene at the hotel, it pretty quickly became front page news all over the world. Clara was a beautiful rich woman who viciously murdered her husband in front of not only his teenage daughter, but also his mistress. Clara was nicknamed Clara the Driller Killer. The New York Post headline tagged her as Mad Wife at the Wheel. Of course, this is fodder for all of those papers, right? And it begs for all kinds of headlines. I just imagine how traumatic it would have been for Lindsay being in the car, literally seeing her dad get hit over and over again. It's unimaginable what that would do to a, a young child. And then, you know, if she gets too close to helping her dad, the stepmother's going to run over her too. So, you know, it's it's a horrible situation to sit there and watch the two people that you love so much in life one is actually killing the other one right in front of your eyes. Bystanders said the same thing. It was something out of a horror film because it didn't end. It just kept going again and again and again. These are adults that should have had control over their own emotions and they clearly didn't and this is what happened. Yeah, I mean, Lindsay went along with the plan to call her dad to lure him down to the lobby. But to your point, Chris, she's a teenager and the people you know, the person convincing her to do this is a grown adult. And both of these people have let her down in such an extremely way. And now she's just lost her father. I mean, it's so sad. I've never seen Lindsay speak publicly, but I wonder, did she speak about this at the trial? Do we know what she thought? On January 23rd, 2003, the trial began. With Clara facing life in prison, it would be up to her defense to prove that she was not in the right frame of mind and had instead been driven to the edge by her cheating husband. Although, of course, in this case, she did the driving. The prosecution's star witness was David's daughter, Lindsay. On the stand, Lindsay recounted the horrors of being in the passenger seat that night. She said that after the lobby fight, they got in the car when Clara started driving erratically. Clara then said very matter-of-factly, quote, I'm going to hit him before running over her husband. Lindsay told the stunned courtroom that she begged her stepmother to stop, but Clara would not. Even though she was advised not to take the stand, Clara wanted to speak for herself. Despite having previously told detectives in an interview that she wanted to hurt David, once on the stand, she said that the whole night was a blur and that she didn't even remember hitting David. She was, quote, shocked to discover what she had done. As the trial came to an end, it was clear who the killer was, but the question came down to her intent. Did Clara Harris mean to kill her husband, David? 
her defense team was trying to argue to the court that the murder fell under sudden passion law, which means pretty much that a violent act that's committed without any premeditation, but in a circumstance of great emotional disturbance, which this was. So essentially, they're pretty much saying this was a crime of passion, and she flew off the deep end in that passion, and this was the result. But she didn't intend to kill him that night. Yeah, but I mean, once Lindsay got on the stand, her testimony pretty much hurt that argument. She explained that Clara was calm when she told her she wanted to hit David. Lindsay was a really strong witness. She seemed level-headed and could recount vivid details of the murder. I don't think there's any question that Clara was in a disturbed emotional state, but I don't think she didn't know what she was doing. Well, that's a good point, Chris. And my question was really like, do these rage blackouts actually exist the way Clara described they do? So I did a little digging and it turns out a clinical psychologist said that they actually do. And that a traumatic event could spur the brain to quote unquote shut down in order to protect itself. These blackout moments are rare, but they do occur. They affect around 7% of Americans. And so while it seems unlikely based on the statistics that Clara had rage blackouts, it's certainly possible. I still don't think she meant to kill him. I don't think she was thinking, I'm going out that night and I'm going to kill your father. I think it all led up and progressed to this moment of passion and insanity where she was not in control of herself. She was behind the wheel of this one ton murder machine and she was just going to keep going over and over. It was like her brain was on repeat, repeat, repeat. And that's all she could see was he hurt me and I'm hurting him. But I'm really not still convinced that she decided she was ever going to kill him until that exact second. No, but I do think that when she's in that car next to Lindsay and says, I'm going to hit him. What does she think's going to happen if she speeds up and hits him? She can't think he's invulnerable and is just going to bounce off like a cartoon and then runs him over and over again. I think she, at the very least, knew she was going to hurt him very badly. I don't know that it's premeditated in the sense that three days from earlier she planned to do this, but she certainly knew that that car was going to do harm to him. We can all relate to feeling when we're angry, we want to act out and do something we probably shouldn't. It's the reason, you know, you smack your computer when it's not running fast enough. But most people don't, when they're mad at their spouses, take their car and run them over. So she definitely is someone who's not thinking clearly, but also like she has to be held accountable for that. You can't just do something because you're angry and expect to get away with it. I mean, yeah, I mean, earlier that night she'd keyed Gail's car. Most people don't do that either. Those are the actions of someone you get a restraining order on. I was reading that sudden passion law, the argument for that is could be valid, but the, the question in this case is, what is the traumatic event is it when she doesn't see him at the restaurant? Is she when she sees their car in the parking lot? Is it when they have the fight in the lobby? Like how far back does it go? When does it become premeditated at that point? That's the fine line that I think the defense was playing with. What is the moment of the night that then created this sudden passion of rage? And ultimately they weren't really able to answer that question because all that was clear is that she did kill him. Again, I'm not the defense attorney or the prosecutor. I can't answer that for you, but but I can see where that's the problem, right? They can't pinpoint one thing that led to her hitting him with the car in a blind rage. I always thought premeditation would be, you know, you have to plan a murder take for days or weeks, but premeditation can actually just be defined as a matter of minutes. 
if Clara walked out of that hotel, got in her car with the thought, I'm going to run this guy over, that's premeditation. She said it right before she hit him to Lindsay. So that's premeditation. It wasn't even in the lobby. It was in the car. She said, I'm going to hit him. Right. And the fact that she then did it two more times says something. After eight hours of deliberation, a jury of three women and six men found Clara guilty of murder. On Valentine's Day 2003, what should have been Clara and David's 11th wedding anniversary, she was sentenced to 20 years in prison. With her husband dead and her freedom stripped, Clara had a conversation with a friend. Quote, look at my beautiful home, my beautiful life, she said. I had the American dream, and I lost it all. In May 2018, after spending 16 years behind bars, Claire Harris was released from prison. Shameless plug. If you're enjoying Crazy in Love, leave us a review. To view our recent documentary, Murdered and Missing in Montana, you'll find it streaming now on Peacock. Follow us on Instagram at KT underscore studios. Crazy in Love is produced by Stephanie Lidecker, Beth Greenwald, Chris Graves, Lisa DiGiovine, Tim Hamilton, and me, Courtney Armstrong. Editing and sound design by Jeff Twa. Crazy in Love is a production of iHeartRadio and KT Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.